Okay. Hey, there we are. Okay. <laughs> you hear me pretty good there? Yeah. How about you? Oh, yeah. I hear you pretty good. All right. Sweet. Uh, so I'm talking right into the microphone filter. So Yeah, I got a hopefully pop filter on. Hopefully that'll help. I don't know. I, I pop, pop a pop lot. Pop music filter. Oh, man. Yeah. Pop music. That's one of my favorite songs of all time. I wonder why they don't make avant-garde or like punk rock filters. <laughs> you know? they, they only have they only have the uh, right. <laughs> the pop ones. Yeah. You know what about us who we like? You know we don't like the top. Well, I guess 40 that's filters. part of the sound, right? You know if you <laughs> if you made it sound exactly. good, it would become pop. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> so folks. Uh, well, uh, oh, I guess I guess I should. Uh, I'm, uh, we should introduce ourselves again. <laughs> Since they've forgotten. I'm, I'm, exactly. Oh boy, I'm Dan and I'm Eric. <laughs> and uh, folks, you probably uh, recognize that uh, we've been gone for two weeks, and uh, that's because I was sick. Um, I think that I had the COVID. Not 100% sure, but chances are that was what was going on. My dad, who I live with, he got diagnosed with it. So the last two weeks have been particularly fun. <laughs> oh, man. Let me tell you, it's good to be back, though. Yeah. I'm glad you're back. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah. it's It was rough, let me tell you. Yeah. But, um, you know, we, we fly by. We uh, just uh, try and... Uh, you know, make it through the hard times in life. Mm -hmm. That's really all you can yeah, do. You got it. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> That's really if it. If you don't make but it you through, know, then you then you don't make it through. <laughs> That's yeah. That's that's bad. Yeah. <laughs> that's it's really really bad when that yep. happens. It's about as bad as it gets, I guess. I mean, you know, it's up there. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I guess you don't really know how bad that's it is, true. You know, yeah, but. It seems like it would be bad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we got some music to talk about again. Yeah. Uh, I, um, we made this, our list for two weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. I had to go back and listen to some of the records a little bit today to refresh my memory. So. Yeah. I had to go back and listen to everything today, yeah. actually. <laughs> Um, even, even my right. picks, I, I, I forgot what my picks sounded like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Me too. It, so, um, Sweet. so what else has been going on or is that, that's it. You've just been recovering well, um, sick and recovering. Yeah, I mean, sick and recovering. Um, let's see. I read a lot of comics nice. while I was sick. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a whole bunch of comics that I bought and never read. Mm -hmm. And so I took this opportunity to do that. Nice. And uh, so there's this series called Sonic Disruptors mm. that was put out in the 80s from DC Comics. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was supposed to be a 12-issue miniseries, mm. but it only lasted seven issues because sales were so poor. Okay. Mm -hmm that they just they discontinued it after issue 7 wow. on a cliffhanger. Whoa. That's how bad it nice. was. So like nobody knows what happens, yeah. you know, after issue 7. But it's one of the 
CDC Comics was actually putting out some kind of weird, gnarly, like, series back in the 80s. I mean, Mm -hmm. I guess it kind of makes sense. They had the Vertigo Comics imprint Mm. um, and stuff like Mm -hmm. that. But, uh, yeah, it was um, Sonic Disruptors. So, basically, let me see if I can recall the basic plot. Uh, So, there's this group of, like, terrorists or they're deemed terrorists by the United States. Mm-hmm. Um, and what it is, is it's, uh, they're doing a pirate radio station from space, basically from space, uh, which is wow from space. Okay. Yes. And, uh, then like they're running this, like on top of that, it's kind of like a front for like, like a drug operation oh, wow. or something. It sounds it's really like a really fun thing to try to do. yeah yeah it really does but um they also like it's it's really weird too because they're like they're rock and rollers Hmm. so like it there's a lot of like almost like i mean i think this series was out in like 87 Mm -hmm. 88 and like so like the president is like this commie hating you know like just you know complete like you know macho dude Hmm. Which it's like, you're like, I'm reading this and I'm like, wow, there's a lot of stuff that happened in 87 in this universe that it can almost be like similar to like, you know, America now. It's really, really interesting. So are the drug um, dealing pirate radio guys, are they the heroes? (laughs) Well, I mean, yeah, I, I guess. I mean, yeah, it, there really are no heroes oh. in this book. I don't think it's kind of more like everybody's doing something bad. Oh, nice. But but then, like, it depends on, like, who you would. I mean, if you if you think that, like, people who are like into rock music mm-hmm. and who are playing like rock and roll music that, you know, old people hate that are in power. <laughs> yeah. Um, then those are your heroes. Right. But if you think that rock music is bad oh. and that America should go back to, you know, what it was or whatever, this idea of what it mm. was, cause it's, that's an idea, right. you know, then your heroes are <laughs> the people that are in the white house. I mean, it just depends so on this is just written for everyone. Everyone would, <laughs> would love this. It kind of, well, it was apparently written for no one because they canceled it after issue seven. Everyone was like, uh, I just don't know if I believe, you know, if I agree with this president guy or these drug dealing rock and rollers. I, don't, I just don't. Right. And then the other thing about it, too, is this was like an 87. Mm-hmm. And so the comic books industry was still pretty like tame yeah i mean there wasn't you know like image comics didn't exist right i mean there there were underground comics that were vile Mm -hmm. i mean even like the first ninja turtles comic was pretty adult yeah right yeah pretty adult but like dc wasn't really i mean i guess they did have the dark knight Hmm. returns by frank miller and the other vertigo i think they put out watchmen by that time you Mm -hmm. know but like this was under just the dc you know, label. Right. And so I think maybe that had something to do with the poor sales. Hmm. Like people just, 
people still kind of wanted like the people who were reading comic books in like 87 were like, you know, still they they still wanted that sort of campy Superman, Batman type thing, you Mm know. So I don't know. Maybe it was just a series that was too, I guess, ahead of its time or maybe maybe it was just a really bad idea. I, I can't figure it out. I can't figure out like which one it was. Right. I can't figure out if it, like reading it, it's interesting that it was made in 87 and published by DC, hmm. but I can't uh, figure out if it's good or bad. Oh, okay. Is the artwork <laughs> it's just, cool it, or is it just like, Oh yeah. Standard? Yeah. The artwork is really okay. cool. I, but see, here's the thing though. I'm a sucker for like vintage mm-hmm. comic book art. Yeah. Like I love, I love the look of like fifties Superman. Oh, me comics. too. Yeah, for sure. And I like it much better than, I don't know, more like the nineties stuff. That was a lot more, uh, I don't know how to say it fluid and moving and kind of all over the place, really solid, stark colors and things. Like I kind of like the muted, sterile newsprint look of the older comics, you know? So definitely, yeah. definitely. Yeah. And I, and I, I like uh, the colorfulness mm-hmm. of it. You know, it, it looked like a world that I wanted to live yeah. in. Yeah. And I'll have to check that out or borrow them from you or something. <laughs> yeah. You can definitely borrow nice. them from me. There's a couple of other, um, another really good series uh, that was published around the same time from DC called time masters. Mm. That one was really good, and there was another one called The Outsiders. And it seems like that this period of time, DC was just kind of publishing these weird titles mm-hmm. that kind of didn't really go anywhere, like, in terms of sales, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I don't know. Um, maybe, for all I know, they could have, like, revamped some of the stuff. Mm-hmm. I'm not really 100% gotcha. sure. Cool. But, <laughs> so I read that. <laughs> Excuse me. Still kind of having that lingering yeah. cough every now and again. But um uh I don't know. Yeah, there's there there's some uh some other things that I uh that I bought like a while back, um comic book wise. Mm-hmm. Uh you ever heard of uh do you know who um ow, Mike Alred is? No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. He was an artist, he did this comic book called madman hmm. back in the day and uh he's got a really weird cartoony style mm-hmm. but he did this uh superhero series called the atomics in the hmm. 90s nah it's the the art is cool but the story really is gotcha. the story just really isn't that great it's 90s comics i mean you kind of said it um 90s comics you know, there basically were just really, really good 90s comics and really, really bad mm. 90s comics. Yeah. Didn't seem to be very much middle ground. So Yeah. And I only read, you know, maybe about 15 comics in all of the 90s. So <laughs> I'm sure. sure I read a couple yeah. good ones and a couple bad ones. So, yeah. Yeah. When I was like, at that time, I was in middle school mm-hmm. and I was collecting all the image stuff because i thought everyone thought that that stuff was gonna oh yeah you know get get their kids through college yeah you know and things like that like that that stuff was gonna be it's crazy looking back on like how 
how everybody reacted to that oh, too. For sure. I mean, like Rob Rob Liefeld and Todd McFarlane and yeah. Eric Larson, they they were like rock stars. Yeah, man. absolutely. Yeah, and it's it's funny that because um, my understanding is that the same thing happened to uh, the sports card industry as well. It was like everyone thought because in the early 90s there was a huge market for these vintage things they thought well if i buy them now and wait 40 years these are going to be worth a ton of money but they just overprinted everything they just made so much of it that it's not rare it was not rare on any level and there was no resale value for any of it you know so yeah not not only was it not rare but it was also let's face it a lot of those early image books were just Mm -hmm. really bad yeah (laughs) <laughs> like a lot of them were just crap. They just kind of threw them together. I remember there was the whole thing about them not um, uh, releasing books on time. Mm-hmm. Like I remember that was a huge thing. And there were rumors that like a lot of the uh, artists were like heroin addicts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> nice. And things like that, which might have been true. I just I saw mean, a really good documentary about Todd McFarlane and that whole era of comics. I can't remember what it's called though. Um, yeah, I'll try to remember though, because it was really good. Uh, it was a newer documentary. So yeah, yeah there there's quite a few of them. There's actually a documentary about specifically about image, the image revolution. Yeah, that's the one I watched. Um, that was good. Is that the yeah. one you watched? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I love the fact that they, uh, they all quit Marvel. They decided to quit Marvel. And then they marched over to DC yeah, because they were like the hottest artists at the time. Literally, Marvel lost like their six hottest artists, right. like completely. Like they were the only artists that were selling books at Marvel at mm-hmm. the time, and they all just decided to quit. Yeah, and then they went over to DC, and DC thought, "Oh, they're coming to DC," and they were like, "Nope, we're starting our own right. company." <laughs> yeah. I thought that that was really cool. Yeah, no, it was a really good one. I like I said, I don't collect comics, but um, more like through proximity and especially through our friend Sean, I, you know, I was surrounded by that stuff, all the Spawn figures and everything. And it, it's funny because that whole, like, I would say that's probably one of the biggest scams that's ever been pulled on consumers in modern times. Was this sort of um collector's market in the 90s like i mean i watched it happen with sean he had you know tons of spawn figures in the boxes and simpsons figures and stuff and they were sold with the idea of leave these in the boxes and they'll be worth tons of money and then they just weren't you know no yeah. and so if you liked them you collected them because you liked them awesome you had a good collection but if you collected them with any sort of like, I'm going to sell these for a bunch of money in the future, you got kind of screwed. So, yeah, <clears throat> it's it's really the same thing, too, with like image. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, Marvel jumped on the bandwagon, too. But like uh, you remember when they kept doing those like special covers, like the hologram right. covers and the yep. alternate mm-hmm. covers and all that stuff. Yeah. Um, For the longest time, that was the hot craze. But yeah. Really, it was just like a cool hologram cover, you know, surrounding right. a crappy book. I just remember people like <laughs> keeping the lids from their stupid soda pop at Burger King or some shit because 
some Darth Maul head was on it or something. I mean, it was ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, and for years that went on, and it was just like, I don't know. Maybe it's still that way, and I just don't see it. But, yeah, people around me were, like, collecting such dumbass things, you know, and it was just like, (laughs) I don't know. I don't think it probably – I don't know any millionaires, and so it obviously didn't work out for any of them. So I don't know. No, yeah. Yep. But not that I can talk. I mean, I collect absolutely asinine things with no future value. (laughs) So whatever. (laughs) Yes. Oh, me too. Me too. Trust me. I'm the same exact way, Eric. Um, 90s. The 90s were a strange time just overall. We should uh, do an entire episode just talking about the 90s. (laughs) Like. Because the 90s was such a weird... Don't you think the 90s were a weird time now? Like, looking back? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I do. I think they were... You know, the funny thing is, I was a teenager during the 90s. And at the time, I hated it. And for years, I've hated the 90s. I think it's... I thought it was just the worst time. And I think that's how things work. Whatever era you grew up in, you think is lame. And the other eras around it are cool, generally. And looking back now, it's kind of like, well, at least we were dumb. At least we, like, were (laughs) naive. And, like, we bought into crap. Like, people wore, you know, jeans that had, like, 20-inch around legs because, you know, other people wore them. And that was like, oh, I don't know. It was like a time you could just really pull off just about anything you wanted and other people around you yeah. would be like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And so yep, that part absolutely. of it, I like looking back now. I like that. It was like, there were a lot of things to be into. And there were a lot of, um, a lot of people that also would be into it. You know, I, I felt like youth culture sort of came together a little bit. Youth culture killed yeah, my dog. Right. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> You know, I, I would also guess that nostalgia affects everyone similarly. And now people that grew up in the 60s look back and say, yeah, the 60s were awesome. People really the young people really came together. Like, you know, when you're in it, it sucks. And when you look back, it was pretty cool. I think that's that's how it works. <laughs> I, I'm even seeing that like every now and again. Um I'll just kind of like go on YouTube and I'll kind of look up like music videos mm-hmm. from like the mid two thousands. Yeah. Cause I remember there was a period of time where I was like, you know, I would just kind of like, for whatever reason, I'd watch like fuse or much music. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in like the early to mid two thousands. And I would watch, you know, the, all the big emo videos mm-hmm. and stuff of the time and whatnot. And, Sometimes I'll just kind of like, you know, go get on YouTube when I'm when I want to waste time and look that stuff up. And I'm seeing like kids like, well, they're not kids now. They're like it's it's weird to think that at the time, you know, those a lot of the people that were experiencing that as teenagers in like 2005 or whatever, they're they're like approaching their 30s now, you know, And so I'm actually seeing like in a lot of these message boards on those types of videos. Oh man, I miss high school. (laughs) I miss, 
back when MTV played music. <laughs> like in, but they're talking about like 2000. Right. Yeah, and you're like, they didn't play yeah, music you know, in 2005. Like, <laughs> <laughs> not like they did in like you know 94 or shit anyway, 84. You know? Like they only yeah, had eight videos, yeah. and you just had to watch them on loop. <laughs> yeah, that's that's yeah. true. So many people that's became true. big time I, music stars only because MTV didn't have any other videos. That's very yeah. true, and. It's it's weird to think that the first I, it still blows my mind that the first video ever played was video killed the radio yeah, star by the Buggles that by that's the Buggles a, actually yeah. super good record uh, I think it's, it is what the it's hell very is it called? good the age of um, plastic or something the age something like something that. like that yeah. but I don't remember it's, what it's it really is. good yeah. it's a great new wave it record is. yes I used to I used to own it yeah. actually and uh, it's a very you, you know another a really underrated like new wave group hmm. uh wall of Voodoo. oh yeah wall of voodoo is awesome of for sure oh my god stan ridgeway's voice the West is album. so cool and it's and that, oh my that sort of like spaghetti western guitar stuff and uh well, just the and drum electronic drum sound it's it's super great yeah yeah and and like his voice you mentioned his mm-hmm. voice it sounds like it doesn't belong anywhere yeah it has no business being in a new wave band. No, but it's so, like, <laughs> if you've ever heard it once, that I mean, you know it. As soon as you hear his voice, yeah. like, sitting down in Tijuana, you're like, oh, shit, there's uh, yeah, Stan yeah. Ridgeway. Yeah, it's great it's voice. Just, it's it's yeah. amazing stuff, yeah. man. I just, I, I couldn't believe it, like, because I've always heard Mexican radio, oh, yeah. you know. I remember that's one of those songs that my dad used to always think was hilarious. Right. Cause it is. Yeah, their hilarious. cover of "Ring of Fire" is sick. Oh, it's unbelievable! Yeah. Unbelievable! Yeah, Wall of Voodoo, yeah. man. Uh, there's so many like new wave bands from the '80s that just, you know, blow mm-hmm. my mind for yeah. sure. Well, I guess that's yeah, a good segue is. into yeah. <laughs> um, music, isn't it? <laughs> you can you can We've start been... if you want to. You can go straight into the one I assume you're talking about. I don't even remember like. Who, what was the last, uh, who, who went first? Like, two I don't, weeks ago? Do I don't remember? even remember. You can go first. You've been sick. <laughs> I don't you either. Okay. It. You want me you to go first? <laughs> okay. Um, so the, I'm going to go ahead and since, since we, I was actually going to start with a different one, but I think that I'm going to start with the one that I think you think <laughs> I'm going to start sure. with, uh, and that's Dazzle Ships Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Was I correct? In yeah, that? Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. Yeah, the record is Dazzle yeah. Ships. Yep. Dazzle Ships. This is actually another one of uh, Sean's mm-hmm. records, actually. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I've, I've heard Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark. I've heard that title. And I guess, wasn't there a band called that? That is the band. Okay, that is the band. Yep. Well, So is Dazzle Ships the name record. of the... Yep. You got it. So Dazzle Ships is the name of the record. That's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark is the name of the band. Yeah. And Dazzle Ships is the name you of got the it. record. Yeah. <laughs> that is that is hilarious. Uh, this whole time I thought Dazzle Ships ah, was the name of the band. Gotcha. That is freaking hilarious. <laughs> um, but don't you think Dazzle Ships sounds like a good I band do. name? I do, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so orchestral maneuvers in the dark dazzle yep. ships. Yeah. Um, 
orchestral maneuvers in the dark. I'll let you talk, but their biggest hit that everyone in the world knows is "If You Leave." If you remember that song, um, "If You Leave, Don't Look Back." Okay, is <laughs> it's that like a real it, big it, it new was, wave? Hit. It was. It was like on a. It was on like a Breakfast Club or it's something. That wasn't it? kind of song. I don't know if it was on that. Okay. On that movie or not, but um, it's very much that kind of song. But they have a long history, and this record is part of it. So, yeah, I'll have to uh, look yeah. that up because uh, um, that sounds like something I should know. <laughs> I mean, I guess really I should have known that this was Orchestral Maneuvers in the Dark was the name mm. of the band. But um, it's hard to anyway, tell from that uh, cover, though. Absolutely, it yep. really is. And also, like I swear that when I looked it up on the internet. It said Dazzle Ships was the name of the band, but I uh, guess uh, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, anyway, um, yeah, no, uh, I don't really. I, I got to say that I didn't really do a lot of mm-hmm. research on this yeah. record, but I listened to it several times. Yeah. Um, when I listened to it on record, um, I was just blown away at the. Um, uh, just experimentation mm-hmm. of it. It was just a really weird record. There's like these weird sort of like field recordings mm-hmm. that they're using. Um, <laughs> and the first song is called Radio Prague. And uh, it's just really um, this interesting, uh, you know, use of horns. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> I would say it's more of like a, I guess an intro to the Mm -hmm. record, but yeah, just, this is just a really cool, like electronic sort of new wave at times. It's almost pop, but I would say it's a little too experimental Mm -hmm. to really call it a pop record. Um, and, uh, yeah, just overall, I I was just really, really amazed by it. Um, just, you know, if you're really into like just sort of weird eighties sort of, um, experimental new wave type stuff this is the record for you yeah um you probably know a little bit more about this than than me eric i'll Um, I'll talk about it if you don't care sure go right ahead so yeah no go right ahead has been around for a long long time uh when they first started i would say it was really really good electronic music i wouldn't say it's like to the level of um joy division or or not joy division but new order uh but it's in that vein they have a song called enola gay which is probably one of the most beloved sort of synth pop songs ever if if you were to put together a synth pop a dark synth pop record like collection enola gay would probably end up there um and so the first two records are really good um that sort of new wave pop stuff. Um, And then architecture and morality is the third one. And it's still very poppy, but also getting a little strange, but it's funny that not only that you picked this record, but that Sean had it because as far as I can tell, this record is the only one that's like this. So it's like punky and it's super experimental um, uses a lot of, like you said, field recordings and samples, vocal samples, um, which at the time wasn't something that pop 
new wave did industrial music did that for sure but not really because this is 1983 so even what we know as industrial was still sort of in its infancy so and right. so this is really craft workish um and i'm sure that sean told me this was good and i i probably was like no i'm sure it's not because the record after this junk culture and then crush the record two records after this are just straight pop and eventually they get to the point where it's just like there's nothing experimental anymore and it's barely even new wave it's just pop music like and so i thought this was really cool because if you would have told me hey I'm really into this OMD record. I'd be like, really? That's weird, you know? But I'm glad you picked this because this record is really cool and super experimental and uh, not what I expected at all. So I'm really glad that you picked it. Um, I was talking to one of my friends yesterday, Nick Beard. Um, I don't Uh know if you know Nick, probably. Um, um, no, does he have a beard? Not anymore. No, he shaved it. <laughs> but oh, okay. he was the drummer in um, the old Scratch Revival singers. And oh, he, oh, he's yeah, in okay, Land I've of met Blood him. Sunshine now. <clears throat> sure, I've, yeah. I've met him before. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, I don't really know him, but now that you mention it, I mean, I, I've met yeah. him a couple times. But he, we were just talking about something, and he said, "Yeah, I've really been into Dazzle Ships lately." And I was like, "What do you what? Like the OMD record?" And he was like, no, like Dazzle ships are ships that they painted in this weird way so that you can't (laughs) tell if they're coming or going or which direction they're going. But he also likes OMD a lot. And he was like, but that's where they got the cover art from. So that weird sort of geometric design on the record Dazzle ships is actually based on this concept of Dazzle ships, which are battleships that they painted in disorienting ways. So I thought that was pretty cool that that just randomly came wow. up. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a synchronicity. Yeah. But right I would there. say, honestly, even if you think, you know, what OMD does give this record a listen, because it's, it's not what you expect. So, and if you don't want to watch the breakfast club, I'm sure yeah, one of their probably. songs will show up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Uh yeah yeah very very cool record yeah. uh all right what you got uh, for me, I guess Eric? I'll start with Klaatu um oh yes so yes yes Klaatu yes. or Klaatu I'll say Klaatu okay here's here's the thing Klaatu are not the Beatles <laughs> the reason I say that is the first Klaatu record came out and they didn't include any um photographs and they used like fake names and stuff and people really thought that it might be the Beatles because the album is so cool and so strange and weird um, that there was a real media kind of fervor about whether or not Klaatu was the Beatles. Um, That first record is awesome. There's a song on it. um, What's it called? Um, The calling occupants of interplanetary craft is what it's called now th- this is yeah, on their the first, first record. record and that was actually okay. covered by the carpenters which is sick oh wow but yeah the first record that I is think very is just sick. called 
Klaatu. I guess they technically call it 347 Eastern Standard Time. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. <laughs> um, it's amazing. So I thought, well, I love that record, so I'll try this new one. It's called Hope. It's the second one. Um, it's pretty good. I wouldn't say it's as... Uh, I don't know how to explain the first one. It has this very Muppety feel to it. Like literally this, some of the vocals sound like Rolf, the dog, like, (laughs) and so that element is sort of minimized a little bit. Um, but it still continues on this, uh, this record hope. Um, it's, but it's really goofy. Like there are moments that are just like really, I don't have another word for it, but lame. They really are. And I'll just freely admit (laughs) that when you're listening to it, you're going to be like, this is lame every once in a while. But it's also really fun, really well done. I would say if you like things like the Beatles, you're going to like it. But especially if you like things like of Montreal or even some of the Elephant Six stuff, I think Elephant Six stuff borrowed heavily from this. If you like quaint little English seeming stories about weird characters, you know, like Penny Lane, if that's your deal, then you will really like this. Um, And a lot of the guitar tones are really fun, really fuzzed out at times, almost like ween, like a phaser and fuzz on guitars. It's just like unlistenable. Um, But yeah, I would say if you like ween or the Beatles or Electric Light Orchestra, if you like prog stuff, like, um, I don't even know, Mountain and um, things like that, Uriah Heap maybe even a little, you'll, you'll, you'd probably like this. But it, it, I think it's a lot of fun, even if it's a little goofy at times. So, yeah. What do you think, Dan? Yeah, no, absolutely. Actually, I really love this yeah. record. <laughs> um, it It's funny you mentioned the Beatles. Mm-hmm. So there was actually a conspiracy that they right. were the Beatles. Yeah, there was. <laughs> so that's... That's absolutely fantastic because the first thing that I thought of when I, the first track right away sounds like a yeah, Beatles for song. Sure. Like it, it sounds like the Beatles. So it starts off like a Beatles record. Then it goes into this like weird, like proggy mm-hmm. sort of like stuff, which reminded me actually a lot of, you mentioned, um, you know, stuff like Uriah Heep <laughs> yeah. and sort of like prog. It, it had a very, um, king crimson feel for for me and um then then there was like this one song i can't remember what it was called but i thought it was fantastic it was a like nine a nine minute like broadway musical or something like yeah is what it sounded like i mean it was just called around the universe in 80 days yeah yeah around the universe no long live Pulitzania. That's that's the that's nine it, minute that's one. That's it. Yeah. Long live pull. Yeah, nine minutes, and it's just like there's so many. Like it doesn't even sound like a no. song. You know, it, it's just yeah. it's like just a bunch of like weird. But that Ween, mm-hmm. the Ween's the Ween comparison. <laughs> I definitely hear like a lot of like maybe like in the mollusk. Yeah, or white definitely and stuff in the like mollusk, that, but, but even other things too, like um, like Captain Fantasy. And things. Yeah. Yeah. Ca- yeah like weird, mm-hmm. weird stuff like that. But there's one other band that came okay. to mind for some reason that is, uh, you know, a, a modern band that I feel probably heard this record mm-hmm. too. And that is uh, the Flaming oh, Lips. Absolutely. For sure. Um, especially on like records like uh, 
uh, well, the soft bulletin, mm-hmm. but also uh, uh, at war with the mystics. Yeah, for sure. There's a lot of like, a lot of like th- that kind of mm-hmm. feeling that um, I'm getting from this. I I thought it was a fantastic yeah. record. Um, after you explained the first uh-huh. record to me, I got to go back and listen it's to that. It's really fun. This, yeah, the first one's really fun. This was so. just a this was just a really really fun listen. A really, yeah. I mean, I. I got a lot of enjoyment um, and I was actually reading, reading some comics while I was listening to it. And that, that is like, this is like the yeah, perfect I can record see that. to do that. Awesome. Cool. <laughs> it's just, Glad you liked it's it. It's really colorful. I, I really, nice. really enjoyed it. So, um, okay. Uh, so I'm going to move on to something that uh, is really, uh, this is just a wild record mm-hmm. to me. Um, and uh, I discovered this. <laughs> on an episode of uh, Amiibo, what's in my mm-hmm. bag? I don't remember even what artist was shopping for records at the Amoeba store, but uh, they picked this up and they played like a little like five second mm-hmm. clip of it. And I was like, I got to listen to this. And this is a, a record from a composer named Michael mm-hmm. Gordon. And uh, the name of the record is Trance. And it is just absolutely bonkers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, because it's not even... It sounds basically like seven variations of the same track, which I think it basically mm-hmm. is, in a way. And it's really like, it just... It it doesn't even sound... There, there comes a point where it doesn't even sound like mm-hmm. music anymore. Because it's like... It starts off with like a baseline that kind of is punky. And then, you know, there's all these like weird, like violins and noises that mm-hmm. come in um, and uh, guitars screeching and all kinds of stuff. And it just, it basically just keeps building up and building up all these layers with each track. And each track is like, there's like seven tracks. Each track is like at least eight minutes long. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> it's just really wild. And I couldn't find a lot of information on mm-hmm. this album. Um, I look, I tried to look, you know, to, uh, the best source of anything on the internet, Wikipedia. <laughs> and, uh, it, there is a Wikipedia page for Michael Gordon, but there was no mm-hmm. information on this record other than mm-hmm. the title. So I don't know what the, um, what the significance of this album i don't even know any other michael gordon stuff but uh i guess that the only thing that i found was that the record came to him in a dream basically Mm -hmm. which if you i mean the record is called trance and it almost sounds like the purpose of it is to put the listener in a trance Mm um i I can't even really explain what this record is. Uh, it's just, but I find it really fascinating. It's not something that I would listen to all the time uh, by any means. But um, I think that um, there, you know, it, it's just got this like almost like punk approach to composition in a way, but it's like also clearly somebody who's done other things Mm -hmm. it's not you know like that's that description doesn't really do it justice um but it's just it's got some wild sounds i do believe that it was actually written like the composition trance itself 
was written for some sort of movie or hmm. something. I'm not mm-hmm. really sure, but anyway, uh, w- what'd you think of this, Eric? Yeah, I, um, thought it was really good. I, it's funny because, um, for this week's episode, or I guess it would have been a couple weeks ago now, <laughs> I was going to start <laughs> yeah, exactly. to introduce a little bit of the avant-garde, um, experimental kind of, uh, composition stuff that I listened to, but I was afraid I was going to alienate listeners. And I even <laughs> told my wife, Sarah about it. I was like, yeah, I kind of really want to do this or that, you know, but I, I think we should keep it a little more kind of rock, rock oriented, or at least founded sure, in that sort of sure. idea. And, and then I came downstairs and I looked at your choices and I started this record and I went back upstairs and I said, Dan just, he just picked an avant-garde experimental record. I'm like, what the (laughs) hell, man? So it was kind of funny, but, um, no, I really liked it. I liked, um, the different styles and I liked, uh, the different sounds used. I liked how, um, there is the core movement. Um, and it has this core theme, which is fairly dissonant, but you almost, um, it almost becomes comforting to return to that theme, even though it is a little dissonant. Um, it feels like it kind of ebbs and flows throughout the whole record. Things will build kind of fall apart. We'll come back to that, uh, theme. So it is sort of a variations on a theme sort of idea, but, uh, it's not really like he's re-recording the same thing however many times. It's more like this theme just keeps bubbling up or actually kind of boiling down out of all the chaos. Um, but I, I thought it was really good. And one thing that this might be a little as like esoteric or heady to look at it this way, but one thing I really liked was, I, I wouldn't say I liked the, how the artwork was presented on the cover. Like it's not really my favorite kind of execution, but I really liked uh, the subject and it's basically just a grasshopper, but uh, yeah, yeah, it brought to mind while I was listening, the idea of how grasshoppers enter a swarming phase and become locusts. Like, that's how it works. Like, in Iowa, everyone thinks that locusts are just cicadas, but that's inaccurate. (laughs) Locusts are actually grasshoppers who have changed because they've entered a swarming phase. Grasshoppers are generally uh, kind of like isolated um, insects. They don't really interact that much until they enter the swarming phase. And I think that you kind of get that sense from this record. Like, if you think about that while you're listening, it really does sound like the how you would imagine a swarm coming together would sound and feel. And I think that wow. uh, for me, that kind of changed the whole listen because I had that in my head the whole time. And so it was like, yeah, it, 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 to me, it sounded like that how I would try to explain to someone how a swarming phase works and what a swarm of locusts becomes, how it becomes essentially a unit and um, of chaos. And I, I thought it was 
I thought the record cover worked for that. I don't know if it was intentional, but it definitely enhanced my listen to think of it that way. So, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Wow. So, yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's that's really cool. I never definitely never gave that any thought for sure. (laughs) I think a lot about insects. (laughs) But the (laughs) the um, the cover. uh, Yeah. Like now that you mention it, there is a certain like element of like connectivity to like the sound of the of the of the compositions Mm -hmm. going on there i like how everything just sort of builds up with all these Mm -hmm. layers you know it's just like it almost the way that i would describe the way the song sound is it almost sounds like some guy just kind of or or a group of people whatever sitting in like a studio like just sort of like spontaneously let's add Mm -hmm. this on top of this let's add this on top of this yeah you know let's that it just kind of everything just sort of builds up until it comes to a climax which is like the end of one track and then starts over again with like a skeletal Mm -hmm. version of like the next Mm -hmm. track right you know what i mean like it's just really like like it almost sounds like they're they're building the song in like real time mm-hmm. or something. You yeah. Know? And I don't know they're building if, the track in real time. I, I haven't been able to find credits for this. Um, and so I don't know if this was played live. I don't know if this was notated and played by a group together or if Michael Gordon um, pieced all this together in a studio. I, I really don't well, know. If you, so. if you look at the Spotify, mm-hmm. It looks like there's a bunch oh, okay. of people cool. that like yeah, this is awesome. it's a Michael Gordon record, but it does look like there's a group of people that were involved in it somehow. OK, cool. Now, whether or not that's like an orchestra playing the stuff or whatever it mm-hmm. is, I'm not really sure. It's that's another thing I really like about this is it's just a really mysterious sort of record. Like there's not really there's like no information about it. I kind of like that about it. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I like the cool. fact that I can't really confirm anything about it, you right. know? <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, that, that sort of, that sort of, um, aura of mystery mm-hmm. is why I liked tool in the early days. Oh, for you know? sure. Yeah. Yeah. Things mm-hmm. like that. But so, yeah, no, I just, I thought this was a really cool. And one of the reasons why I decided to pick it was cause I was like, I wonder if Eric heard. Yeah, this, no, I've not heard not, of this composer even at all. And then, and yeah. then, and then, and then I was like, if he hadn't, I wonder what he's going to think. There was definitely that nice. element of it, Eric, <laughs> cool. where I was like, I wonder, I, I wonder what Eric is yeah. going to think of this if he hasn't heard. Yeah, it. no, I, you know, because because you're you're into a lot of wild yeah, stuff, man. It, You've introduced <laughs> me to a lot of it's wild right stuff. up my alley. I'll say so, that for sure. That that's kind of that's kind of what and I figured. I'll continue um, to kind of pepper those records as we do this show, you know, cause there is a lot of stuff that I think, I think fans of, you know, various things, including Ween and Mr. Bungle and other things like that, that we talk about pretty often, those things weren't born in a vacuum. I mean, they borrow from a lot no, of people. Absolutely not. And so, yeah, I think that I could, share some things that you definitely would be like, Oh, that's where they got that. So, you know, Oh, absolutely. Well, like, like we, yeah. for instance, I mean, it's amazing when you listen to like, like, I don't know. Um, uh, what's that song off of the mollusk? Uh, 
Have you ever seen a whale <laughs> with a polka yeah. dot tail? Yeah. That it's that song sounds like a resonance. Oh, for you know, sure. It's yeah. like and and clearly Ween were influenced mm-hmm. by the resonance. They actually I mean, was it Gene Ween actually was on that right. resonance documentary. Oh, I love that documentary. It is it, it's so it's good. a great documentary. <laughs> I need I need to watch it again. Yeah. But I, I, I remember Gene Ween was like Gene Ween was like, Yeah, somebody told me that the residents were like, you know, Mick Jagger or, <laughs> you know, or something like that. I don't not Mick Jagger. I mean, but you know, like there were rumors for oh, the longest sure, time right. that the residents were like famous yeah. musicians. Yeah. Don't you wish that that were true? I wish I didn't know. I am still furious at oh, Hardy yeah, Fox that's right. for that's, spilling I, the beans. But I keep forgetting <laughs> that, that the residents are not um, anonymous. Well, at anymore. least Hardy Fox. And we pretty much know the other ones, too. But sure. yeah, that's all right. Somebody, somebody yeah, will make you... music and stay anonymous forever and not spill the beans. So <laughs> Exactly, exactly. All right. So uh, your, I guess my second, second one pick? would be a group called JJ, and the record is called V, and you have to get those in the right order, otherwise you say JJ and then people laugh. No, um, <laughs> I never, I never, I never, I never put no, that together. Th- that's the yes. only lightness that's going to happen in this review, by the way. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they're Swedish. Uh, the members are walk. Keem Bennon and Ellen Castlander. <laughs> I, I thought you were going to yep, say Ellen I, DeGeneres. I, I'm sure I screwed those names up. Um, but <laughs> yeah, uh, they have other records that I've never really listened to. This one I've heard a f- number of times. I I would say that it falls into kind of the same stuff I always listen to, which is, I guess, technically the genre is called escape room. But it has those drippy synths and things like that but um it also has a lot of orchestral elements to it um kind of classical elements it also has a lot of trip hop um to it you know a lot of like i guess yeah i mean you know what trip hop is massive attack portis head uh tricky yeah things like that so it has elements of that too it also has a pretty um heavy hip hop element at times too. Um, a lot of really lush strings, heavy beats, very melancholy in general, but also I think that it, it really goes a lot of places you don't expect it to. And it happens up upon on some really pretty moments that you probably don't expect to happen either. Like almost to the point that it could, it could surprise you. Like I remember the first time listening to this, I think I audibly gasped at least once at decisions they had made and things that happened within the songs. And so I think if you're in a mellow mood, but you also want to be challenged a little bit, um, I think it's a pretty cool record. It's it's definitely uh, got its own atmosphere. And when you listen to it, you're you're in it. So, yeah, um, I that's about all I got to say about that, I guess. What do you think, Dan? Well, um, it's parts of it are uh, stuff that um, I would say is not really, I guess, in my, I, well, as they say, in my mm-hmm. wheelhouse. I, um, 
listen, I mean, I, I appreciate this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, uh, I really enjoyed, there were like three or four songs that really mm-hmm. blew me away, particularly the last mm-hmm. track, um, called always, yeah. always, uh, with the, just the guitar and the yeah. vocals. Um, that just blew me away. I was like, this is one of the most gorgeous things yeah. I've ever heard <laughs> in my life. I mean, it, it just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Um, and there were at least another couple of songs that I that definitely just blew my mind mm-hmm. for sure. There was that really hip hop influenced yeah. one. You mentioned Inner you mentioned hip hop one. one. Yeah. Inner Light, mm-hmm. that was it. Inner Light, that one was really good. The first couple of tracks on it were really mm-hmm. really good. Um, it's one of those records. Um, I listened to this mm-hmm. twice. Um, it's one of those records that I think for me, I would have to give it multiple listens before it would, uh, maybe like, you know, before I would, uh, um, not get, I guess, um, as, as the record Mm -hmm. went on, I I have to admit, I kind of got bored with it in Mm -hmm. parts It kind of just, you know, like towards the middle. Um, but I stuck it out and listened to like, you know, yeah. the whole thing. And I found the second half of the, of mm-hmm. the album a lot more interesting than the first yeah. half for some reason. I, and I, I'm not sure why that is exactly other than it sounds to me like towards the second half of the record, they started to kind of branch out from like this, the first half just, like kind of sounded straight like i guess what you would call uh you said it's like <laughs> yeah, escape room whatever that or something is. like that so yeah. like like i would call it almost like dark pop right. or something mm-hmm. like that like i guess i you know because i i could never really figure out like atmospheric mm-hmm. dark pop right. kind of is how i would like almost describe it you know um and i just kind of felt that like it wasn't mm-hmm. bad like I don't think the I don't think it was bad at all. It just I I noticed that like the first half of the record really started to kind of get a little samey yeah. for me mm-hmm. anyway. But then like they they started to branch out and do other things. Like all of a sudden there's that hip hop yeah. track where like you hear like some guy like it sounds like they're in the club all of a right. sudden. It's like what the hell? <laughs> Where did yeah. this come from? And then, and then, like I said, that last track was so mm-hmm. minimalist and it sounded almost like a replacement song yeah. or something, you know, like it just, and it just, it just kind of, again, like I like, I like the, the parts of the record that sound like they just came out of nowhere, yeah. you yeah. know? Mm-hmm. Um, not that I think that it's a bad record or a bad, I, I thought it was a very interesting listen, especially like the production on it is just, absolutely right. gorgeous yeah um but you know it's probably not something that you would find mm-hmm. me listening to a lot yeah you know it uh and and like i said it, it it's something that i would probably have to spend a little bit more time with and i could see something like this really growing on yeah me, though. you know like after a few listens yeah. it's it's interesting stuff and how i got into it is um, through listening to Young Lean, um, 
apparently in Sweden, there's a, and I'm not even going to pretend to be like an expert on this or anything, but there's this like, it's a style of music. And like the other big groups are um, the Tough Alliance. And Ooh, I like, yeah, I like and that I think name. The Honey Drips or something like that. Oh, yes. So I've heard it's like it's somehow like super hooligan crime oriented drug music that's based yeah. in sort of like being really out of it on Xanax, but also being like a thug but also making like pop music. Like it's a really confusing thing that I seriously don't know very much about at all. But um, that's well, how I came, that how basic... I found it in the first place. So um, I yeah. probably will keep listening to more and more groups from that sort of like scene uh, because everything I've listened to so far checks a lot of boxes for me, but it definitely, like you said, it, and the only reason I mention all that is because I really think that, um, I mean, with most music scenes, there's an element of drugs to it and specific drugs for different scenes and things like house music doesn't really exist without ecstasy. You know what I mean? So, but right, um, I right. think that that's part of it. And so I think the, the really getting bored with it element, I think might honestly be part of the appeal because I feel the same way halfway through the record. I, you know, I was still surprised by the production and some of the choices they were making, but also very much like, wow, they're just living here. Like they're not really concerned with making this interesting for me right now, you know? And so <laughs> I don't, I'm obviously not selling it by saying that, but um, <laughs> I don't know that. I mean, you, there, you could be onto something there because there really is an element like how you described that is basically what hip hop is right now. Mainstream mm -hmm. hip hop. It's all about drugs. It's all about like, you know, it there's, there's rapping, but there's also singing. Mm -hmm. There's also like, you know, weird sort of like atmospheric production yeah. in a lot of it. And uh, I feel like that influence has you know, seeped into like the American hip hop sure, scene. Absolutely. Right now, you know, yep. cause there's a lot of that, like young lean, mm -hmm. you mentioned young, is he I from think so. Sweden? Yeah. Young lean. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like young lean, I mean that, that's, that sounds, there's so many rappers out today, like that just have that sound and that, you know, it sounds like they're influenced right. by yeah, that. I think that it's, it's spread um, to other areas now for sure. So Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there's this guy, this kid named uh, Rat Boy that mm -hmm. I've been listening to, and he uh, is actually signed to Hellcat Records, wow. which is yeah, Tim Armstrong right. from Rancid's label. And uh, he like is kind of like this combination of like hip hop ska. Like he sounds like he sounds like the Clash meets like you remember the Streets from I way don't back think I when. To the Streets. Uh -uh. Um. Uh, or like, uh, I don't know, like imagine if like, if like the mm -hmm. clash, uh, you know, like merged with like some like strange indie rock, mm -hmm. like punk stuff. And, uh, well, I guess mm -hmm. clash are punk, yeah. but like, 
um, mixed with like uh, like really British like okay. hip hop. Like <laughs> it's really really interesting stuff. It's it and so mm-hmm. my point is though is that I've noticed that in hip hop in modern hip hop, there's a lot of like sort of like cross pollination in genres mm-hmm. going on. Like there there seems to be like if you notice a lot of rappers are turning rock mm-hmm. now, you know, like a lot of the newer ones yeah. anyway, like, and a lot of them are saying things like even somebody like post Malone, you know, is like, well, I didn't really want to do rap, but rap is the easiest way to make money right now. But I, I can play like Nirvana songs yeah, really well. For sure. <laughs> you know, stuff mm-hmm. like that, you know, and, there seems to be a lot of that going on now where like a lot of these rappers are now kind of coming out of their shell and doing like this sort of like weird rock rap yeah. combination. That's not, not limp for Biscuit, sure. Yeah. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it's really interesting. Definitely. Um, but, uh, cool. Okay. So my speaking third of hip hop. Uh, pick <laughs> Speaking of hip hop, exactly. This is a, a really, really big one, folks, because this is actually this came out this year in 2021. This came out last month, um, and it's uh, Mad Lib Sound Ancestors. Mad Lib, of course, the producer who is also goes by Quasi Moto, um, and I voiced several times on this my uh my uh, appreciation for mad lib as a producer and as a rapper and uh of course he was the man behind the mad villain collaboration with mf doom as well as many other mad lib has done uh so much stuff for underground hip-hop uh he's even produced for kanye west Mm. which is weird um but Sound Ancestors is like his latest record instrumental. Um, I don't even want to really just call it just an instrumental hip hop record because I feel like it's more than Mm -hmm. just that. This is this record. Just the minute I heard it, I knew I was going to pick it because I was like, I never thought that I would pick a record that came out in Mm -hmm. 2021. But my God, this is just unbelievable mm-hmm. to me. Um, so many different like explorations and sound and um, so many. I mean, Mad Lib is has always been kind of a wizard behind. Uh, he's a magician mm-hmm. as far as as far as like uh, just making music. Uh, I mean, there's so many, so many things going on here. Um, but at the same time, it's. Like, I wouldn't call it, like, experimental necessarily. Uh, I do think there are moments of experimentation on it, but it's just so, so good. It's just, it's one of those, and I don't listen to instrumental Mm hip-hop. Like, instrumental hip-hop is just not my thing. Like, I like to hear lyricism. I like to hear rapping. You know what I mean? I like to hear Mm -hmm. the voice. Um, Some, I mean, there have been a few. Uh, like DJ Shadow or whatever, mm-hmm. or Jay Dilla and and Madlib. Pretty much, those are the those are the ones that I'll listen to the instrumental side of things because I feel like one of the things that really makes Madlib stand out from other producers is that a lot of times I feel like 
with a hip hop producer, it's just kind of like, okay, here's a beat for you Mm -hmm. to rap over. And that's, that's the only thing with Madlib. You can really tell that he really puts a lot of focus in like the music, the sound, the music, no matter who he's producing for, the music is just as important of a part of the, of the song as the rapper. And that's, there's, there's a lot of, a lot of, um, artists that I feel, um, in hip hop that have successfully done that, but not mm-hmm. enough for, you know, for me, it, it's, it's usually just like, again, like, you know, let's just throw mm-hmm. on a beat and let's just have this guy rap over it. You know what I mean? And, oh, it's, it's a sick beat. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like the beastie boys was a great example of somebody who like the music is just, just as like, if you, if you took all of the beastie boys off of like, you know, I don't know, like a song, like mm-hmm. past the mic or something. If that was just an instrumental track, it would be just mm-hmm. as interesting without yeah. them rapping over it. For sure. You know what I mean? Mad Lib is a master mm-hmm. at that. I mean, every beat that he's ever made, in my opinion, is like if you took the rap and he's he's produced for some really great rappers, really great MCs. If you took the MCs off of those tracks, I would still listen to it because the beat, the music to that is so wild. It's so mm-hmm. good. And uh, that's probably why he might actually be my favorite He's he's at least in my top yeah. three of favorite hip hop producers for sure, but there's so much stuff on here. I mean, there's there's like a lot of there's some like salsa influence going on mm-hmm. with some of these tracks. The title track "Sound Ancestors" it, it's it's so fitting because it just sounds like he's paying tribute to like a lot of just mm-hmm. jazz greats, which I'm sure that's probably exactly what he had in mind. Because Mad Lib actually taught himself basically mm-hmm. jazz, how to play like jazz music, which is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, to me, this record is just an exploration in the genius of the sound nice. of Mad Lib. Yeah. You know, I just, I love it. Um, and it's already one of my favorite yeah. records of the year. For sure. <laughs> Uh, what did you think? Yeah, Mark? Uh, my first note that I had for this uh, said, "This is designed to be listened to, not to be rapped over." So I 100% agree with what you said. Um, yeah, it, at first I didn't know exactly what was going on. I thought it was good. By the time it got to the song "Loose Goose," I was all in. Like that track just blew it wide open for <laughs> yeah. me. It's really Absolutely. cool. I love how non hip hop it is if that makes any sense it doesn't seem yes, to be absolutely it's not that it's not hip hop it's just that it doesn't seem preoccupied with being hip hop it's just music and it's and it's created from samples and i think that's really cool when people do that when it's not just a beat and it's not just you know a cool cut from some obscure record like he's really crafting music fully formed musical ideas here um yeah the samples are from all kinds of sources and cultures very jazzy overall like you said um i will say there was only there was one thing that bothered me about this record though is that 
I couldn't place a single sample on this thing. And I thought that was really cool. But on the sur- the song Dirt Knock, he uses a sample uh-huh. um, from a song called Searching for Mr. Right by Young Marble Giants. And Young Marble Giants is one of my favorite things that has ever happened. If you haven't listened to that record, uh, oh, yeah. it's just killer. And so out of nowhere and so original. And I just love Young Marble Giants. And it felt like he used a little too much of that sample. It almost became a remix in a sense. Like, I know that sounds nitpicky or whatever, but the way I thought about it, it was like, it was like if you found uh, like a hair in your sausage, like you don't want to know what your sausage is made of. Like, you know, (laughs) it's like, you don't want to, you don't want to hear like basically an entire song sampled unless that's the point and it's a remix or whatever. And so that was the only thing, but it was still really cool that he sampled it because I mean, I love it. So as soon as it started, I, you know, I had that moment of, Oh my God, he's using young marble giants. Like that's outrageous, you know? So it was cool. Um, but yeah, the rest of it, the samples, I couldn't place a single note. And it's not like I'm some yeah. sample hound and I just know everything. I'm not trying to act like that. But generally, I do hear a couple things and I'm like, oh, I know that. And I get to research it and figure it out and remember what it was. And with this, it's like, these are some deep cut samples. I don't know. Yeah, that's I, I think that's part of Mad Lib's... Um... Yeah. appeal is that uh there's just so much stuff that he you can tell he's a he's a total oh, just yeah, crate for baby, sure you know yeah. i mean it's just unbelievable uh young marble giants uh one one interesting thing mm-hmm. you bring that up i did not realize that hole oh yeah covered the song credit right. and, and i didn't even know they covered it until a cup like maybe half a year ago my friend amanda posted well, the the whole cover on Facebook or something. And I was like, what the hell is this? When did whole cover young Marvel giants? And of course yeah, she was like, who the, the hell album. are young Marvel? Giants? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's on the album, uh, right. Live through this. And I've had that. Well, I don't have mm. it anymore, but I had that album for probably 15 yeah. years. What I song is it credit in the really straight like world? That. Is that what it Cre- credit right, credit yeah. in the straight world? I had no yeah. idea. That that was a young Marble yeah. Giants cover. Yeah, they're amazing. Yeah. I always thought I always thought it was. Well, a they did a really song. nice arrangement of it. Since hearing it, it's like they really. Did. I can hear how they uh, were true to the original, but also turned it into their own, their own thing. And it it, yeah, I really like Absolutely. it as a cover. I think they did a nice job. Um, that I still I I don't care. I know that a lot of people like to give whole mm. lot of shit or whatever you know but i i still love that record and the first whole record yeah too. i've only heard them a few I don't times listen, but I, I, I don't like them when i've heard them i don't listen i i don't listen mm-hmm. to a lot of it i mean the whole like theory is that kurt cobain wrote live oh. through this hmm. and then billy corgan wrote celebrity huh. skin wow so courtney love can't write hmm. anything well that that's the conspiracy theory. The people that hate Courtney Love will say that, you know. And there's a lot of people that seem to well, hate Courtney. Yeah, Love. that's true. Yeah, 
Well, I glad. I guess it's good she got kicked out of Faith no more then, because. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Could you imagine if she? Well, can you imagine how much they hated Chuck Mosley? <laughs> <laughs> I oh, love gosh. Chuck Mosley. Yeah. I oh my me God. too. I I I the those first yeah. two Chuck Mosley Faith No More records are freaking amazing. And in fact, in some ways, in some ways, I almost, I mean, I definitely like the real yeah. thing more than the two. But I almost like Introduce Yourself as much or more. I than the you know thing. the thing is if. I I agree. I like them as much. And that's and that's only because honestly if it were two different bands, I would I would love both of them. Like I don't even feel like I have to make a decision. Even though a lot of the sounds in We Care a Lot and Introduce Yourself are there in the real thing. I mean they remain because it is the same group of people playing. There's a lot going on that's different too though, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I kind of think that the real thing was sort of a continuation. Yeah, I'm sure it was Chuck written Mosley for used. Chuck Mosley to sing too. Right, and then, but you also got to think too that it's crazy to think that Mike Patton was only yeah. 18 years old when yeah <laughs> he got offered to sing for well, Faith and no More. they already had it done. Epic. That record was done. They had they yeah. had the record done. He had two weeks to write mm-hmm. the lyrics, and Epic became yeah. this huge hit when he was right. like eighteen or nineteen years old. And then Warner Brothers decides to right. sign his other band because he's Mike right. Patton of Faith yeah. No More. Oh that yeah, is for sure. But like, honestly, <laughs> if I had to make a short list of songs that can always pull me out of a funk. Annie's Anne's song, Annie's song on Introduce Yourself oh, is probably gosh, yes. number one. Like it's pretty much that and uh that Tom Tom Club song. <laughs> you know. That, oh, that's yeah, about yeah, yeah. those are like the two most get me out of a funk songs out there. I I still think that we it's care a, a lot song, is just sure. a ridiculous it's a ridiculous uh, yeah, song. Man. I love, love uh, Oh my god. His voice, so his good. voice. Chuck Mosley's voice sounds like a combination of like, I don't know, like Keanu Reeves uh, in Bill and Ted (laughs) and uh, like, like, you know, like something like, um, I don't know, Robert Smith or something or like some, he he has a new way of feel to it. And I'm not, I'm not totally convinced that Patton wasn't sort of emulating Chuck Mosley a little bit on the real thing. No, I actually think that uh, that was probably yeah. part of his. I mean, I'm I'm sure that it's just like Bruce yeah. Dickinson with yeah, Paul Diano right. and Iron Maiden. You know that Bruce Dickinson was like looking, yeah, studying Paul sure. Diano. Like, yeah, you know what I mean. Even though obviously Bruce Dickinson, I mean, who who has the better oh, voice? Yeah. In Same terms thing with of Patton. I mean, range he, he, and operatic. Yeah, Same thing voice. with Patton. Yeah. yeah, but Paul Diano. There's no question that Paul Diano fit Iron oh, Maiden for too, sure. you yeah. know, and so did, or at least, at least those yeah. first two records, yeah. same with faith. No more. There's no way that Mike Patton could do. We care a lot and introduce yeah. yourself. Yeah. I think even so too. though the, I mean, cause there are people that say that about Dickinson. Oh, could you imagine if he sang on killers? Yeah. No, I couldn't. No, I wouldn't want Bruce Dickinson no. to sing on killers. Yeah. Absolutely. You know what I mean? That's I a great comparison. Cause Paul yeah, Diano, similar Paul stories. D- Paul, 
Paul Diano was the perfect guy for those for sure. first two Maiden records. Yeah. Just like Chuck Mosley was the perfect guy. For I agree because it put him in a different. It, it put him in a different realm. Like real thing is definitely funk metal. Like there's just no doubt about it. Right. The first two records are. I wouldn't say they're funk metal. I would say they're something else. I don't know what exactly, but it's not. I don't think it's the same. It definitely got there. It's almost like. It's almost like skate punk pop or something like i don't even know how to what well, it would be you know it it survived it kind of existed in this weird sort of thing that was going right. on in la at mm-hmm. the time like well like yeah, the early exactly. chili peppers yep. you know like um and like yep. infectious grooves and things like that like you know yeah it's it's yeah. fishbone like early fishbone yeah. stuff like that just but i love chuck weird, mosley like, and i will i'll argue yeah. that for a, forever I'm not going to say he's better than Patton. I'm not even going to compare the two because it doesn't really matter. Well, I mean, come on, man. Like, yeah, there's, you can't, I mean, that's right. apples but and oranges. But everyone hating Chuck Mosley because they love Patton, I don't think that's necessary. They're not, you know. And unfortunately, I was, unfortunately, I kind of had yeah. a little bit of that, like, for mm-hmm. a little while, you know, because when you're 16, like, King for a Day sounds like the raddest thing, yeah, you know, it's which good. it is. Yeah. King for a Day is, is an mm-hmm. amazing record, but, like, so then I'm like, well, um, yeah, what's this first sure. introduce yourself yeah. stuff? But then when I got older, it's like, man, like, dude, these Chuck Mosley records are, and also just yeah. the band that the skill level oh, was already sure. there. Yeah. I mean, just, yeah, it was amazing. <laughs> that was a, a good uh, side conversation there. Pretty yeah. Much out of nowhere. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Well, from out of nowhere, <laughs> one. the first, first track oh, on the real man. thing good one. Oh man yeah i i gotta say man uh the real mm-hmm. thing still has some of my absolute favorite tracks from yeah i really love that record i remember buying it and i remember listening to the cassette and just not really knowing what i was hearing and uh it was cool it was really cool yeah it's good stuff definitely yeah. definitely all right uh your last pick and i and i already know what it is and okay. i'm excited to talk about so uh yeah we've already run fairly long which is not a surprise but i'm gonna tell a <laughs> short little story and it's about adam ant <laughs> so okay so All my right. third choice is uh kings of the wild frontier by adam and the ants um for the most part with this podcast i've been trying to choose records that I'm not familiar yet with, you know? Um, and so, and I guess that's just sort of like, so it's fresh and I'm not, I haven't thought about it a lot and already come to these preconceived notions and all this kind of stuff. This record though, is actually one of my favorite records probably. I mean, ever, I know that I'm super hyperbolic all the time and everything is the funniest and the best and the coolest and my favorite and all that stuff. But, for real, I I really love this record. Um, so here's the 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 short version of this story that no one cares about but me apparently because the information's really hard to find. So there's a guy called Malcolm McLaren. Uh, he is the manager for the Sex Pistols. Um, Adam Ant is in a band. I can't remember what their name was. It's not really that big of a 
Steel, what his old band was called. Um, and he sees the Sex Pistols, totally changes what he wants to do, uh, puts out an album called Dirk Wears White Socks. Um, and it's pretty good. It's kind of punky. It's kind of new wavy, whatever. Um, and so, but it doesn't sell very well and it doesn't really do all that well for Adam Ant. Um, so Adam Ant hires Malcolm McLaren to be his manager. And Malcolm McLaren, uh, tells him, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to dress like Blackbeard, the pirate, mix in some native American dress, like paint your face, like Geronimo. He gives him a cassette tape full of music, um, and says, basically plunder this cassette that I've put together and steal everything from it that you can. And if you do those things, you're going to be a huge success. So Adamant does all these things. One of the tracks on there is called Burundi black. And it's a kind of a disco remix of this field recording of the Burundi beat and the uh, Burundi is in Africa and it's this field recording of these um, African drummers. Okay. So anyway, Adam and his group, the ants put all this stuff together and they do start to become successful. They're getting ready to record their record with all this, you know, newly written stuff. Um, Malcolm McLaren then decides he's going to take Adam's band from him and he starts a band called Bow Wow Wow. So, oh, yeah, the ants now have become Bow Wow Wow with a new singer um, (laughs) who are basically taking all the stuff they had just written with Adam Ant as the ants and that becomes Bow Wow Wow's sound. So now you have this race to get this sound out to the public. So Adam Ant hires a whole new band. They rearrange and rewrite and re-record all these songs using this drum beat, using Native American beats, using this imagery of the new romantics mixed with like being a pirate and like Westerns and stuff uh, like spaghetti Westerns. Um, Anyway, Adam and the ants get the record out first Kings of the wild frontier. Bow wow. Wow. Comes out with it. And they still have pretty good success probably because they have, you know, a 15 year old girl as their singer who they apparently think it's okay to put naked on the cover of the albums. Anyway, that's a whole nother story. Right. Um, I love bow wow. Wow. Also, by the way, (laughs) so whatever. Um, so yeah. And that's why this album sounds like this. That's sort of why the record after this Prince Charming doesn't sound like this necessarily. And it's the story that no one really talks about how this Burundi beat recording went from a field recording in Africa in 1964 to some guy, I can't remember, remixed it as a disco song, essentially, in the early 70s. That makes its way onto a cassette that Malcolm McLaren gives to Adam and and then that's what we hear on this record. So... um, I'm sorry that went a little long, but I just think it's outrageously interesting and totally insane 
that someone would put a band together, then steal the band, and then basically try to release the same music. Uh, with that being said, though, the album is amazing. The drumming is so cool. There's two drummers going all the time. And the Burundi beat is sort of like this... Uh, like that kind of beat and it appears throughout the record um it's in uh yeah dog eat dog which is just a ridiculously cool song um uh ant music uh kings of the wild frontier killer in the home all these songs are amazing there's a couple that are a little lame i think that los rancheros is a little lame the magnus magnificent five is a little bit lame too and those are just because they get a little too into the spaghetti western stuff but for the most part it's very primal drum rhythms really sparse twangy guitars a really heavy bass presence and adam's voice sounds really cool a lot of like weird chanty like I said, sort of Native American um, chant vocals and things like that. There's a lot of cultural appropriation happening on here. And so that I could understand could be off-putting to people, but I don't think it was in a malicious way. I think it was really trying to find uh, cool things to draw inspiration from. But I can't say enough about this record. And everyone, of course, is going to be like, oh, goody two-shoes, that's Adam Ant and they probably wouldn't give this record a chance, but I would say you really should. And now I'm really out of breath. What'd you think, Dan? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I I thought this was a fantastic sort of melding of punk glam, new wave, um, garage rock. And like you said, there, there's a lot of like native American sort of influences Mm -hmm. going on as well. I felt like it was kind of um, just a it's one of those one of those records that I would have not given Mm -hmm. the time of day uh, unless you would have recommended it to me, Eric, because because Mm -hmm. of Goody Two Shoes. You know what I mean? Like like to me that that song just sounded like novelty. Mm -hmm. So when I heard Adam and the Ants, I was kind (laughs) of like, really, that's that's interesting. And then I listened to it and I'm like, oh, wait, actually, this is really cool. It's like the best parts of David Bowie, T-Rex, um, you know, but totally has like, you know, his mm-hmm. own thing kind of going on, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was fantastic. It was a really, really enjoyable, fun listen. Um, and it's I listened nice. to it three times and... Uh, I'll probably listen yeah. to it again. I mean, it's it's just it's it's such a really really it's just a really fun listen. And that that what you mentioned about the um cultural appropriation mm-hmm. kind of going on. That's I mean, this is an example. I I agree with you. I don't think it was in a malicious way at all. And that's I think it's an example of exactly what you were saying, drawing inspiration from a bunch mm-hmm. of different places. Yeah you know, kind of, kind of going on. And, uh, I enjoy yeah. that. I, you know, cause I think that when, what they say, cultural appropriation, uh, you know, it, it can be used in, in tasteful mm-hmm. ways, you know, like to, you know, 
like you said, pull inspiration from a lot right. of different areas. I mean, we wouldn't have the For clash, sure. yeah. you know, if yeah. something like that, ha- you know, if, if, if that wasn't allowed to yeah. exist, um, we wouldn't mm-hmm. have the beastie boys. We wouldn't have, you know what I mean? There's, there's so many examples, right. but then also like, like you were saying, you know, unfortunately there are malicious ways to, yeah appropriate culture but yeah. you know <laughs> it uh adam and the ants though uh yeah no this this is a really yeah, it's really, really cool energetic act. too it's like uh, again if i i mean i guess maybe i was in a funk a couple weeks ago when we put this together because i kept trying to kind of find things that would get me out of the that funk and i knew for a fact that this would sure just inject energy straight into my body uh I don't know if anyone could ever hear I, that, Kings that, of the that, Wild Frontier the song and not and not just have a visceral energetic reaction to it. I can't imagine someone being like, "Yeah, I guess it's okay." Like at all. So, yeah. No, no. It's 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 yeah. pretty amazing, man. Nice. Cool. Pretty amazing. I I was really really Sweet. into it for sure. I I yeah, it's definitely a record that I think i'll be revisiting yeah, that's how it worked bit. with me like a, a, someone told me and i don't remember who that i needed to check it out and i heard it and i was like oh well this is gonna get played this is now one of those records it's like instant sometimes that happens like the first time i heard moon safari yeah. by air i was like oh i'm gonna listen to this for the rest of my life like it's just yeah certain records you hear it and you're like yeah okay this is now part of the rotation Oh, uh, speaking of which, there's a, a record that I've really mm-hmm. gotten into uh, that you recommended. This is I I won't probably well, I won't <laughs> pick this as a as a pick in yeah. future episodes now, but I just want to talk about it real quick. Oh, the Pulsars. Yeah, for sure. That, yeah, I uh, actually. Um, uh, yeah, it's really it's a fun one. Quite Definitely. It, it is. Yeah. It is a fun record. And uh, also. I found it really interesting. I know that that's kind of a record that you, that Gimpy kind mm-hmm. of referred to as sort of like, Hey, I really like sort of how this dude, there's a couple yeah. songs on there on that Pulsar's record where I'm like, <laughs> wow. Like I kind of hear like, you know, Eric songwriting. Yeah. This. They were like uh, kindred like, spirits. I think when we first heard it, we were like, Oh wow. That's great. Someone else's doing this too you know it particularly there's that song called uh the submission mm, song yeah like i don't know if you're familiar with it or you know but uh that song like particularly just reminds oh. me of something that you yeah, would have written for Gimby. for sure yeah <laughs> like it just and then and then also there's that song about i discovered that other band uh or the one band, uh, the oh, Silicone yeah. uh-huh. Teens. Nice, yeah, yeah. That that whole song was about, uh, yeah, <laughs> the Silicone Teens. Right. It's called the Silicone Teens, and then I found out that it's like this weird, like synth cover band, basically that existed yeah. in yep. the eighties. Yeah, yeah. That, I've <laughs> never heard stuff. that full Silicone Teens. Uh, I think they had just one record. I don't know for sure, but. Yeah. Yeah, they have one record and to be honest with you it's it's interesting but I wouldn't call yeah, it Yeah, I think they super had a great. single that did well. And I'm sure I've heard that. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. it's interesting, but 
Yeah, no, I, I just, I thought that was really interesting because uh, I, I re- I've heard about the Pulsars mm-hmm. for years and never oh, yeah. listened good. to them. And I just decided to give it a shot. I'm like, wow, these guys never came mm-hmm. out with a second record yeah. and that's disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, what are you going <laughs> to do? Just enjoy the one, I guess. <laughs> enjoy the one yeah. record that came out for sure. Um, but, uh, well, that yeah. pretty much wraps up this, this episode. Uh, so, um, everybody, uh, you can, uh, listen to, uh, listen to us on Spotify on, uh, geez, what are the other <laughs> two? Oh, transistor and, uh, content mm-hmm. made right, which of course we'll be sharing yeah. links to on our uh instagrams mm-hmm. uh also if you want to just follow us or talk to us on instagram uh well my name is dan underscore the underscore mm-hmm. ruler eric's yep. old man you're still eerie, old man eerie, correct yep and uh yeah you know let us let us know what you think let us know if you love it mm-hmm. you hate it if you love hate it, uh, let us know. Uh, if you love hate it, I mean, you can you can do yeah. both. I don't have enough frenemies in my <laughs> like, life, so feel free to take that role. <laughs> I just have friends and enemies. I really good. love to have some people that sort of hate me. Some rivalries. <laughs> Let's get those going, guys. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. But um, I think that brings us to uh, just a little bit over the Man, hour and a half bad. mark. So, folks, <laughs> nope, we we got there. Um, and, uh, folks, we will uh, see you next week. All right, Y'all bye. have a good week. <laughs> bye. <laughs>